0: The Adam Crowley Show. Crazy animal, those ducks, Adam. They always try to swim and look calm underneath, but on the surface, they're just... Back to you. Adam Crowley. The Crowman Man. On ESPN Pittsburgh. Clint Hurdle said the best retaliation for the Pirates was to, quote, beat them. Not with, like, a bat... Or a hammer or your fists, but, like, win the baseball game. So much for that. The Pirates bitched out on hitting Rizzo on Monday. They bitched out on Tuesday as well. Two days in a row, and Rizzo and the Cubs did not have to pay for their actions. Did not have to pay for their crimes. Rizzo, bad slide. Madden, for still thinking the rule book was the 1995 rulebook. For being a victim blamer. An old school heel. The Pirates could have taken their pound of flesh. The Pirates could have gone eye for an eye. They didn't. Their idea for retribution, as Clint Hurdle said, was to beat the Cubs. Well, if the vigilante justice route ain't your thing, you can always go with the old adage, the best revenge is living well. Except when you're the Pirates, you can't. Because they're not a good enough baseball team. Just a reminder, Pirates fans who were doing the old victory lap, when they were 6 games over 500, they've now gone 2 and 9 in their last 11 games. They've fallen 6 games back in the division. They're now 3 games back of the second wild card. They're not a good baseball team. At least not right now. In their last 3 losses, you may want to sit down for this. Looking at your top. The bullpen's given up 13 runs in 6 innings. If the 27 Yankees The 90s Braves, the late 2000s, or pardon me, the late 1990s Yankees, the early 2000s Yankees. If those teams want to say, you know what, we'll handle our business by winning ball games, I get that. I'm good with it. Hell, if the 2018 Cubs or Brewers or Yanks or Phillies or Braves wanted to play it that way, then that's fine. I get it. I understand. But these Pirates aren't good enough to say, we're going to beat you. That's our revenge. They've got an under 200 winning percentage their last 11 games. There's got to be some realism there. And that's not to say that Clint Hurdle should expect his team to lose. But it is to say, or not to say, I suppose, living well is good revenge. Which is to say that they should have hedged their bets by hitting Rizzo. Show that you're not a pushover. Then do everything in your power to win the game. The Cubs know that they can get away with this nonsense. I'm not a huge Pirates fan anymore. But I was pulling for the Buccos so much last night because I can't stand the Cubs. I hate the sanctimonious, holier-than-thou attitude of Joe Madden. I hate his fake-ass glasses. I hate how his hair is silver. And yes, I know Clint Hurdles is too. But I hate his more. And it's also fallen out. I can't stand them, and I was hoping the Pirates would win. But I was also hoping the Pirates would retaliate. And they didn't do either. I'm embarrassed for Pirates fans. The Cubs are a superior organization with a better team. Pirates have been on the decline for a handful of years now. If they get under the skin of the Pirates, what are the Pirates going to do? They're showing you that they didn't do anything and that they won't do anything. They ain't beating them on the diamond. And they ain't retaliating either, apparently. So what's the downside for Chicago? What was the downside of the plantar fasciitis play? What's the retaliation for the Rizzo play? It's nothing and nothing. Because the Pirates chicken bleeps. We won't throw at your head, but at least we'll lose to you, too. And I think this is fracturing the Pirates' clubhouse. After the game, Diaz said, quote, my teammates will always protect me. That's the culture here. That's who we are. We'll protect each other, and I've always felt that protection, end quote. Meanwhile, look around the Pirates' clubhouse. Who's come to his aid? Clint Hurdle. Anybody else? Anybody? Not that I've read. Not that I've seen. They didn't have his back. And Freeze got into it with Cora, which is, again, a bad look. Cervelli said, quote, the Cubs play hard. I don't see anything wrong with that, end quote. The catcher! That's your catcher! That's your starting catcher who says, eh, nothing wrong with it. When next time it could be him being run over. Whether or not you believe it isn't the point. Cervelli could very strongly Be in Team Rizzo. It's a hard-nosed baseball play. But you have to have the back of your teammate. There could be guys in Chicago that might feel the way Diaz feels, but they are all saying that they've got Rizzo's back. Chicago's got a controlled message. Chicago's got a great leader. And that's not to say Clint Hurdle's a bad leader, but there is a fracturing in the clubhouse. And there's not a clear message. The clear message should always be stick up for your guy. Now, there are exceptions. If Tom Wilson's kneeing people in the face and mauling them and ruining their lives and careers and potentially giving them CTE, yeah, you might want to step in and say something. But in this instance, you got to have your guys back. Whatever side you're on. The Cubs got to look at the Pirates as if they're just peons, pissants, Nothing. Contreras got hit late in the game, and he smiled all the way down to first base. And Joe Madden said after the game, I love that guy. He's the best catcher in baseball right now, and he's smiling from ear to ear walking down to first base. That's why I love him. Sounds like a guy who loves his players. You're not hearing that from the Pirates right now. They have a direct message. The Pirates don't. The Cubs got to think of them as if they're cute. Oh, they're so cute, those little Pirates. Pirates can't even stick up for the boy, man. They blew a three-run lead. The Bucks are the little brother. How do you guys out there feel about the Bengals? Because I always think, oh, how cute. It's playoff time. They're not going to be there. It's playoff time. The Steelers will beat them. Oh, big game at Paul Brown Stadium. Steelers are going to win it. They are a little brother. And the Cubs got to feel the same exact way about the Pirates. They're that kid who's always trying to act tough, but then doesn't back it up. Never cut the mustard. I'm embarrassed for Pirates fans. This baseball team doesn't have balls. None. Couldn't finish off the Cubs. Couldn't stick up for Diaz. That's 0 for 2. And that's after losing 7-0 and only having two hits in the ballgame. You lose 7-0, you get emasculated in that way. You get emasculated physically, literally, by Anthony Rizzo. And then the next game, you blow a three-run lead. See ya. See ya. It's over. Season's done. Is that a hot take? I don't think so. Sounds like one. Season's over. They're done. They don't have a good clubhouse. It's so easy to have fun and play all your awesome Latin music and do the selfies and jump around and smack each other on the ass and wear somewhat racist masks. It's fun to do all that, the Pirates show you. It's a great time. Let's dance around. Let's enjoy ourselves. Then you start losing. Then you don't stick up for a teammate. And all of a sudden, it doesn't seem exactly like it's the most fun place to be. Oh, Andrew McCutcheon's not here anymore. Well, he was adding too much pressure to us. Garrett Cole's not here anymore. He was adding too much pressure to us. They were making the locker room not as fun. We had guests on the show say stuff like that. We fall victim to the prisoner of the moment thing in sports more than, well, maybe not more than anything else. Maybe that's just the way we are as humans. Prisoners of the moment. Recency bias, something bad happens, it's the worst thing ever, something good happens, it's the best thing ever. When the Pirates were dancing and having a great freaking old time, I said, they're winning. It's easy to have fun when you win. Can you have fun? Can you stay together when you're losing? And right now, it looks like the answer's no. Let's see how they rebound. I don't think that they're going to be able to. And maybe it's not about the clubhouse, maybe it's just they're not good enough. But maybe it's both. And right now, today, it is both. Let's see if it's both for the long run. 4129222874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. How about Jason Kendall, this guy? Oh, my God. Jason Kendall was a bad dude. And I mean that in a good way and a bad way. He was a bad dude as a catcher, as a ball player, and he was a bad dude in the clubhouse. Jason Kendall used to rag on Jack Wilson all the time, mess with him. So did Brian Giles. Oh, i Brian Giles. I'm a great hitter. Well, you still played on an ass team. Would you ever win Brian Giles? And Jason Kendall, big ass, what a chew in his face, always ripping up on Jack Wilson. These are the things you hear through the grapevine. He was a terrible teammate. Well, now he's got an ability to be relevant for once, again, here in Pittsburgh. Let me get my opinion out there. And what's he doing? He's saying that Diaz should have pushed off from the front of the plate, not the back of the plate. Man, again, can we quit blaming Diaz here? He got three feet out of the way of the plate. It's pretty simple. If Rizzo follows the rules, we're still talking about, we're not talking about this today. We're talking about something else. Diaz wasn't even thinking about a player barreling in because the rule dictates that you shouldn't do that. Rizzo was hard nosed, and that was a badass play in Kendall's time, but it's not Kendall's time anymore. The rules have changed, the game has evolved. That means opinions need to change. Opinions need to evolve too. Period. Kessel was a- Kessel. Kendall was a really good player. Both were eighteen. Nope, eighty one. Dyslexia. The all time games caught leader for the Pirates. But if he wants to act as if the rules are the same as they were a decade ago, he probably shouldn't be talking. Jason Kendall. Douche. Caleb tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Thanks, Adam. I'm so with you on the whole Pirates segment. Several reporters around town don't buy into it. There's a reason David Freeze lost his bleep. He's a winner and gets why you throw it. Rizzo. Thinks the Cardinals would not go for that BS. Well, that's what I think, too. I think Freeze got into it with Cora and was going to get into it with his teammates because he wanted to have Rizzo thrown at. This is the kind of stuff that if you decide not to retaliate, you will lose guys in that clubhouse. Maybe for a day, maybe for a week, maybe you lose them for good. But if you throw at Rizzo, if you throw at him, who in the clubhouse is not going to be able to get behind a teammate in that way? If he throws the ball past Rizzo's back, if he throws it an inch away from his elbow, at least you show that you've got the guy, at least you show you're my boy, Blue, you're always going to maintain unity in the clubhouse if you err on the side of sticking up for your dude, but if you go the opposite way and you think about protecting Rizzo because maybe it wasn't dirty, you're going to lose people. If Diaz thinks it's dirty, then you have to think it's dirty, too. You have to. I think that's the way it needs to go. If Clint Hurdle thinks it's dirty, and it sounded like he did, you have to do what he wants to do. You got to go with the retribution angle. Or else you risk this locker room being ass. Kevin tweets, at underscore Adam Crowley, About the burner accounts in the media, I think the better question is how many burner accounts does DK have? How many followers does he got? Three. 140,000? Three. I think there's three. Three burner accounts? I'm sure he's got some.
1: I'm sticking with three. Some. I'm sticking with three. I think he's got some. Three. Some. Three.
0: Some. Three. I'm not going to put a number on it. I'm going to go four.
1: That's a party.
0: Not the only thing that's going to be burning after that. Up next. Stanley Cup final right here on ESPN Pittsburgh. Starts at 8 o'clock. So we'll talk to Jesse Marshall from The Athletic about the series and whether or not it's going to be a good one and what's going to happen. It's Crowley Show.
1: I was driving in my car and I smelled the number five
0: I haven't heard anything from Braden in a long time. Good. Yeah.
1: He did uh, like one of your tweets, I think.
0: Okay. I, I'm, I'm worried that it's because of the Anthem stuff, and I, I might have pushed him away. You
1: went hard at that. I mean, but look, you, you can still be friends. Braden. If, when we're on the air, you should ask him on. If, if, uh, if, if, if he's, he's out there still? You. Yeah, if he's manager.
0: Stanley Cup final, game number two tonight. Vegas, Washington, Vegas leading 1-0. You know all this. Marc-Andre Fleury, not great in game one, nor was Brayden Holby. And I'm worrying about that trend not continuing. I love watching good goaltending, but I love watching the puck go into the back of the net. Now, I don't think either goaltender was awful, but they played below the standards that they've set certainly for themselves over the course of the playoffs. But I want goals, 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 and more goals, and you can listen to those goals. Hopefully, at eight o'clock, right here on ESPN Pittsburgh, joining us now to discuss and talk about the Stanley Cup Final is our friend from the Athletic. He is Jesse Marshall. Jesse, how you doing today, pal?
2: Ah, uh, so far so good. Well, I guess today's is almost over, so I'll just I'll go with good. Good. It wasn't convincing, but we'll go with good. <laughs>
0: Jesse, the Stanley Cup Final Game 1 was more than good. It was great. Maybe not if you're the goaltenders, but it was everything that I wanted it to be, and really not at all what I thought it was going to be. I thought both teams were going to feel each other out. They did not, and it was excellent.
2: Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, I think the only the only thing you walk away from from Game 1 that leaves a sour taste in your mouth as a hockey fan, just not even with a rooting interest here, is just how bad the officiating was yeah. again. Uh, that's been a theme throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think it's the one thing you have drag the NHL on in terms of its quality. Quality of the game right now is just they can't seem to figure out what the rules are, which is problematic when you're in the playoffs. Um, but you're right. I, I honestly thought, Adam, like looking at this series objectively, I honestly thought that we were in for a low-scoring series. There's going to be a battle of two goaltenders, one of which in Marc-Andre Fleury, who is going on a run that we just have not seen in, in the post-lockout era of the game. And you could probably even go back um, even further than that uh, and, and not see a performance like the one he's put forth. And Brayden Holpe hasn't been that good at him, but he's been pretty great for the Capitals down a stretch run and shutting out the uh, you know Tampa Bay Lightning at the end of that series. So that I didn't expect uh, the amount of goals that we got, but I'm certainly not upset about it. Um, I think one thing we saw is that, you know, the Capitals have kind of packed it in a little bit, these playoffs out of them. They've been playing a lot of defense. They've been stacking up their defensive blue line, and uh, Vegas just isn't going to let you do that. Uh, and the Caps had to open that game up a little bit uh, in game one because uh, with the way that Vegas plays and how they attack as a unit and how quick they are, uh, you cannot just sit back and try to defend your own blue line against them. And I think that's ultimately uh, why we might see these kind of wacky, the wacky games the high-scoring games you know, we saw in Game 1 that might continue uh, on through the rest of the series.
0: Can you explain a little bit what Vegas does do that makes it difficult for Washington to play that way?
2: Puck support, Adam. That's the biggest thing. They don't, you don't ever see a Golden Knights player burst across the red line with speed without somebody in tow. Uh, and that was something I really clamored for the Penguins to do against the Capitals as well because I, structurally speaking, Adam, to paint a picture of this, the Capitals want to have three players on their defensive blue line. Two defensemen and a forward. They don't care which forward it is. It's not the old left-wing lock where it always had to be the Uh, left-winger. First forward back is going to join the defense, stack up on that blue line. What Vegas does so well is when they have a puck carrier approach that structure, they always have somebody next to them or behind them that gives them an immediate passing option A, and B gives them should there be a a puck battle that's created uh, or somebody gets trapped along the wall there's somebody there that can help. They don't ever put forwards in a situation where they're just abandoned all by themselves. Uh, And I think that's huge. Uh, Defending the rush when it's one player is one thing. Defending the rush with a guy that has the puck and has a passing option directly near him, that's a... I, I I think I would highlight that. And then the other thing I would say, Adam, is that Vegas is just too fast. They have a little bit of that Penguins in them. They want to start the breakout, before your team has the ability to set up in that structure in the neutral zone in the first place. And I think both of those elements uh, have created a little bit of an uncomfortable situation for the Capitals, who have done a lot to try to hide their deficiencies defensively this this postseason and, and have been successful in it for the most part uh, up to this series.
0: Jesse Marshall joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, what does Washington do now to counter, and does Washington – start changing things up this early, or do they wait and see how tonight goes?
2: I think they wait. Um, you know, they, they got their... You know, the one thing you, you can say about the Capitals is that the, the way that Vegas played in that game gave Washington a lot of odd-man opportunities. Uh, they were able to, to, to get some turnovers and counter them, and I, and I think with Vegas's push to get into the offensive zone as soon as they can, uh, they leave themselves sometimes vulnerable on the back end in a similar fashion to what happened with the Penguins in the second round. Uh, I don't know that Trotz is going to change anything, but I do think if Washington makes an adjustment, they're going to really try to ratchet up that score check. And I think they're going to try to get in on that, that uh, Vegas defense and try to attack them at that point of the breakout, try to create turnovers there as opposed to just sitting back uh, and waiting for that for that attack to come. Uh, and if they can turn up the heat a little bit uh, and try to get in there and, and maybe even send two guys in on that forecheck, which is something we've seen them do a couple times right. in the playoffs, uh, that, then that you can play the role of disruptor there uh, in stopping that attack before it ever really has the chance to manifest itself in the first place.
0: So there seems to be this narrative now that tonight's going to be A much more low-scoring game. I had a buddy who's a huge Capitals fan who texted me and said, dude, I think I should hammer the under tonight. Uh, It was 5.5, at least that's where it was earlier. I don't know what it is right now. Uh, Do you think that tonight winds up being a more low-scoring game and then maybe it changes, or do you think we see more like what we saw in game number one?
2: I would take the under at five. I do think that this will be a five-goal game tonight, a 3-2 game. Uh, I do think, Adam, that you might see these two teams dip their toe into the pool tonight in the first period, and then you might see all hell break loose in the second and third period after that. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if there were portions of tonight's game, I think even specifically the beginning, that are a little bit uh, less intense to start as, as you, you might see these coaches change up things in terms of deployment or, or even you know minor structural changes. Uh, I, I think that there, there may be a little bit of a tentativeness given, you know, what went on uh, in Game One. But ultimately, I do think you're going to get more more goals tonight as well.
0: Jesse, talk analytics to me, buddy. The fourth line for Vegas—they scored a couple of goals, three if you include the empty netter in Game Number One. Uh, they've been fairly productive for Vegas in the playoffs. What do the analytics say? Are they driving a lot of possession? How are they playing to that regard?
2: Well, let me just get this out of the way first, because I've had. Uh, I've, had a, I've been inundated uh, with, with Ryan Reeves' takes over the course of the last uh, you know, 48 hours. So, uh, first of all, that Vegas fourth line is really not all that good, Adam. Let's get yeah. that out of the way right now. I think, A, what's happening is they're being matched up with the Capitals fourth line, who's actually somehow worse. Uh, you know, the Penguins themselves really struggled to find an identity for their fourth line this year, uh, and their fourth line dominated Jay Beagle's trio. Um, even though it had a little bit of a different faces in it. then. So I, I think it's more of a testament to how bad Washington's fourth line is. Uh, so are they controlling possession so far in this series? Yes. Uh, a little bit against Winnipeg as well. Um, but overall, I, I think that, you know, you, you can't retroactively look back and say the Penguins should have done X based on one game in the Stanley Cup final. You know, I, I think the performance out of that Vegas fourth line is more of an outlier than it is the norm. Um, but, I, you know, I, I don't want to take anything away from them They played very well, uh, but I, it's not it, – it, I, I wouldn't count their, uh, uh, their play as much as I would kind of point to the other side of the ice and say that they're taking advantage of an area that the Capitals haven't had a ton of success with in this postseason.
0: Jesse, if you had to pick one that could have been handled better, the Reeves cross-check or the Wilson – disgusting hit which one would you have rather had handled better and by handle better i suppose for wilson I, i'd like to see that be a suspendable hit i would uh, i know there's no head contact but i i still think it was that dirty uh, that far away from the play and he was that out of position so that's what yeah. that's what i would have done um but the reeves one was pretty atrocious too the
2: reeves one was pretty atrocious cause it happened right in front of the net you gotta assume that the official at least should be looking there have to <laughs> <you think>? be yeah <laughs> that's Generally, an area you want to pay pretty close attention to, Um, and 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 I, you know, it's not as if Ryan Reeves loaded up and 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 you know blasted someone in a way that you would refer to as dirty, right? That wasn't like an egregious cross check, but it's you also can't do that, Adam. That's interference, right? right? I mean, there's no reason that that should have gone uncalled. It was illegal,
0: but not dirty, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Meanwhile, Wilson was both.
2: Right, and, and with Tom, it's inconceivable to me that the Capitals did not, or that the the Knights did not walk away from that situation on the power play. Yes, that's honestly inconceivable to me that it happened. And I pointed out on Twitter yesterday. I know that the Washington Capitals fan base, Adam, has recently turned into an entire group of defense lawyers, uh, which I didn't know. Uh, you know that was a thing. But look, Tom Wilson's a right winger. Okay, he's a right winger, Adam. What is he doing on the left side of the ice? Why does he feel the need to transverse the entire width of the neutral zone, right? I mean, this isn't as if he took, like, a five-foot jaunt over to hit Marchesil. He met out of his way to go out of position and come across and make, again, a hit that is illegal and, in my opinion, dirty. The puck's not there. Uh, I don't think Wilson went over there to do anything but obliterate Jonathan Marcheseau. That was his sole intention. You're not going over there, Adam, to hit a guy to separate him from the puck. The puck's been gone for six seconds. Like that, you know, you're, not, you're not looking to create space. Uh, you know, and I mentioned on Twitter, I think the best thing that could happen to the Knights is that Tom Wilson tries it again. Uh, the whistle doesn't blow. Uh, he misses his trailer, and Vegas scores a goal because he couldn't <laughs> mark his assignment. That's, that's probably the best-case scenario. And, and, you know, ultimately, because at this point, to be frank, Adam, this league, just looking at what they've done this season, the precedents they've sent, they're not suspending anybody in the Stanley Cup final unless it is super egregious. It's just, it's just that's the reality of this situation. Uh, so Wilson has the leash right now to continue to do this stuff with no repercussion. I don't expect the, the, the Gerard Gallant to... You know, send out Ryan Reeves to try to pummel him because Tom Wilson's not fighting Ryan Reeves. So your hope is that Wilson keeps skating himself out of position to make these hits and you can cash in in the goal department as a result.
0: Jesse Marshall joining us on the Crowley Show. This all stinks because there is a casual audience watching the Stanley Cup final. Uh, A lot of Vegas people are new to it. Uh, The ratings are up over the last couple of years. So people are watching that haven't been watching. And now instead of talking about what a great hockey game it was, instead of seeing what a great hockey game it was, it all kind of comes back to the Tom Wilson stuff. And maybe it's what the league deserves, but as somebody who cares about the league, even though I wish I didn't, uh, I'd like to see the focus be hockey.
2: Imagine the conversation that you'd be having uh, if that hit never happened or that call on Reeves gets made. Um, now you're looking at a game that potentially goes into overtime. and From that, right? All the NHL had to do, Adam, was police the game the right way, you know, in October uh, and think it would been fine. Uh, so I agree with you. I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, there's still conversation about the game. It is sure. out there. But to your point, it's been drowned out by all this other nonsense. Um, and and this, this, two sides of the coin. You've got the entire NHL as a whole uh, pointing the finger at Tom Wilson and then everybody in Washington, D.C., kind of hiding in front of him and, and trying to protect him from that criticism. I mean, this is just something that uh, – and, and to be fair, you're, you think back to the history of this league. Having a player that plays the role of pest or plays the role of – Uh, annoyance in a Stanley cup final and does it well and does it legally. It's a great story. It's a great story. You love watching star players have to deal with that stuff. Uh, When it's in the boundaries of the rules as they're written, Uh, unfortunately more often than not, in my opinion, what we see from Tom Wilson is uh, pretty much the exact opposite. And rather than, you know, uh, uh, you know, playing within the boundary of those rules, I mean, if he was giving somebody the, the business after the whistle or, You know, uh, just playing physical in a clean way, you'd be hard pressed to complain about that. That's good hockey. Uh, But this, you know, as you said, unfortunately, is is overshadowed what proves to be an unbelievable game.
0: Here's a hockey question How do you evaluate the goaltenders from the first game?
2: Um, It's tough because those are some really weird goals that got scored. Um, I think that both teams did a really good job of making things uncomfortable for the opposing keeper, which to be honest with you, I I think Holtby and Fleury were both playing individually so well that the only way you're going to, you know, sometimes beat down that dam and break that wall open is to, is to get in there and get in their faces and and make life miserable. Um, I I think the goal for both of those teams was when establishing possession in the offensive zone was just to, to, to score the ugliest goals possible uh, and don't get me wrong; there were some beautiful ones in that game, but I, I think the key uh, to, to flipping the switch, so to speak, against Flurry or Holpe is, is to make their life miserable, to get traffic in front, to continue to be a presence in the crease. Because if you give these guys, you know where they're at right now, a clean look at it, um, they, you'd be hard pressed to point out a weakness. I think on either side of the ice in terms of in terms of goals. So um, I, I would expect more of the same tonight. I'd expect more shenanigans in front of the net and and, and more attempted deflections and tip pucks and uh you know just that ugly garbage stuff that that wins at this time of year
0: jesse whatever it was that made you not know if your day was good or not i hope it makes your day good i hope you have a nice day okay
2: i'm like i'm on sabbatical um life's great i got no complaints
0: not bad buddy be good be safe
2: all right we'll talk to you soon
1: jesse marshall Love you, man. Why do I keep doing that? to stop telling people. No, you you stop love telling them. people that love. It. It's gonna make it, make me and Tom think that when you tell us, you just don't mean it because it's something you say all the
0: time. Yeah, maybe it's just something you say when you're not paying attention. <laughs> I don't know who would ever not be paying attention, though.
1: Certainly not us.
0: No, no ever.
1: It's your show. You got to yeah. pay attention. Yeah.
0: Coming up next, let's take a day other crap and the three stars of the show. CSP in Pittsburgh.
2: You check things all the time
0: So if you were wondering what the Crowley Show is up to during the break... Got Brian LaMartina sitting across from me, shirtless Tom behind the glass. And it was just a wormhole of what films and TV series David Spade's been in.
1: It's fun. That son of a bitch has been in a lot! That dude is low-key rich, man. Did he get got by the Me Too movement? No, I don't no, think so. But probably the guy that I would have guessed, like, yeah, probably at some time. But that guy... That guy
2: that
1: guy that guy F's.
0: That guy pulled some consensual sex back in his day? Yeah, I not even back in his day. Like today. after his day. Like yesterday and today. He's one of those guys who is so witty that he could probably get any
1: girl he wants. Oh yeah. Cash oh, doesn't yeah. hurt either. And he's like four foot four. Yeah, he's that's the funny thing. Not a big guy. But he's pulling down like supermodels. He is
0: what would you say, B list? Maybe? No. Not even that high? He's got
1: to be A-list. You think okay. so? That's David Spade. I mean, people recognize the name SNL, David Spade. Black Sheep, I mean maybe not like a current like you would be like, oh yeah, everybody's cramming to see him right now, A-list, but like elite. The reason I
0: said and guessed that he might have been brought down by the hashtag Me Too movement is because he's the kind of guy who would in terms of the career arc, I think. Like, I don't feel like we've seen him in a lot of stuff recently, but he's been in some sitcoms. Not
1: great sitcoms, but funny enough sitcoms that they hung around for a while. He's got 100 episodes on all of them. Like, that guy's Jeez. just collecting checks and syndication. Every damn day that guy's getting money. Dude, he's been in, like, everything. It goes back to, like, Police Academy 4. Like, he was in he... Police Academy 4? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. He was in ALF. He was in Coneheads. PCU. Beavis and Butthead, he was a voice. Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag. Larry Sanders Show. Rugrats movie? Huh. Huh. Lost and found. Who was right. he in the Rugrats movie? Uh, he was... Oh, you can find that out. The he, interweb. Yeah, he was, uh... Ranger Frank. Ah! The voice. How could I forget about Ranger Frank? Yeah. Hell's Ranger Frank. Doesn't matter, you got paid never, for it. I've never seen that.
0: never saw the Rugrats movie? No. You are missing out. Am I? I don't know. <laughs> the Rugrats were great But I wound up despising it at the end Because it was all the same thing every show Time after time Tommy's going to pull out his stupid damn Lockpick He was going to pull out his damn What do you call it? Screwdriver Open up the pen And get into hijinks And Angelic was going to try to ruin the whole thing In fact, Tom It's time for the hottest take of the day, 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 day. I mean, Angelica, let them have oh, no. a little fun Let the kids have some fun, damn it! That's your cousin Tommy Pickles He's bald, his head is shaped Like he got beat by a crowbar And you're not going to let that guy go out and have some fun With Lil and Phil Who probably grew up to be way too close for brother and sister Let's be honest here You're not going to let Tommy Pickles have fun Like, do you have any idea what he's going to go through in his life with a head shape like that? He's voiced by a woman. That's confusing. Not that there's anything wrong with it, especially not in 2018, but he's going to have a hard time making friends. Tommy Pickles. And then their dog. That dog. What was the dog's name? You probably know Tom. I have no idea. Well, she's... Let the dog off the leash in one episode. The dog she'll let out, but not the kids. There's Spike. She lets Spike out. Spike almost gets hit by a car. I remember this very vividly. Uh, He gets Spike back, but she won't let the kids out of the pen. Let the dog roam free in the universe. Cars flying by. It's a dog. It ain't Frogger. Meanwhile, the kids, let them go play in the living room. Let them get some cookies every once in a while. Angelica. And you know, maybe this is not just about Angelica. Maybe this is about people in life who don't let you do the things that make you most happy. She was too tightly wound, and so tightly wound that she couldn't allow for other people to have fun. And you know what? It brings me to this point. If you enjoy something in sports, there's somebody telling you not to enjoy it. If you say something in sports, there's somebody telling you not to do it. And I hate those people. You ever hear the Pitt is university, not an abbreviation for the city of Pittsburgh guy? That guy sucks. You're having fun. You're saying what you want to say, and he's got to police you. The Wave sucks guy? He sucks too. The Vegas pregame is too much guy? He sucks. So does the It's Stanley Cup final, not finals guy. All y'all can shut the hell up. Let us live our lives. You're all Angelicas. You're all losers. And you all see that we are having more fun than you are. Woo! Other crap. The Yankees are the first team in the live ball era to strike out 17 times, commit five errors, and win. How? Money. Woo! Other crap. Why do people watch baseball? Woo! Other crap.
1: Do you know? Woo! Other crap! Come to think of it now. Woo! Other crap! Who has time to watch 162 of something? Woo! Other crap! That's like 480 hours. Woo! Whoa. Other crap! Give or take. Woo! Other
0: crap. There's so many things, and I like baseball, that I'd rather do with my
1: time. Woo! Other crap. Like what? Woo! Other crap. Poop at work.
0: Woo! Other crap.
1: Watch a good series. Woo! Other Crap. A seven game series. Woo! Other Crap. We have reached the point of the program where I forgot to do the other craps. Woo! Other Crap. So now we're making it up as we go along. Woo!
0: Other Crap. I really wish Angelica was a little more angelic. Woo! Oh, no. Oh. Other crap. Yeah, Tommy had a really good thing going there, man. He you just you screwed the whole thing up. You really did. Woo! Other crap. I like reading the ESPN headlines and then coming up with other craps as we go, so that's the game I'm going to play right now. Randall. Other crap. Randall didn't expect his jersey tweet to go viral. That's been 400 and... 45 days since pit basketball at a conference (laughs) game. Woo! Other crap. End of that experiment. Yep. Never doing that again. (laughs) That's bad. That bad radio. Great damn show and then I forgot to do the uh, other crap. I'm sorry. To my listeners out there. All of you. The snowflakes. I apologize for not having been good enough today. In the last segment. And the hottest take was fire. It's time for the three stars of the show. Third star. Tonight's third
2: star of the show, Jesse Marshall. I don't think Wilson went over there to do anything but obliterate Jonathan Marcheself. That was his sole intention. You're not going over there, Adam, to hit a guy to separate him from the puck. The puck's been gone for six seconds.
1: Second star. Tonight's second star of the show, Pittsburgh Pirates
0: broadcaster, Greg
1: Brown. (laughs) Madden said... You have to teach proper technique. He has to get out further. For instance, the catcher could have dug a trench and positioned himself inside to further defend his position. First star. And tonight's first star of the show,
0: Chris Adamski. I I miss
2: you, Adam, and this is what I miss is is your your highbrow brand of show that within 58 seconds of me being on the phone line I heard, about taking Kabasi and about
0: you and Scottro pooping, and I know both you and Scott. Now I have a terrible a lots of
1: images all over my head right now. That was beautiful.
0: He's coming back.
1: I love her. I love him so much. We gotta
0: get, get him every day. I'm in. It's the Chris Adamski show starring Adam Crowley, Brian Lamartina, and Tom Offerman. Sorry, that's shirtless Tom. I've revealed too much. My bad. A lot of people weighing in on the most likely media member to have a burner Twitter account. And I'd say 95% of the people say it's DK. 95. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. That is. Should I update the rest of the polls? I feel like I should do that now. Real quick. Because Tom thought that the previous polls were doctored.
1: Tom never misses a poll.
0: Is a playoff series automatically good if it goes seven games? 64% of the audience said no. That was yesterday. Tom made me redo it. If a series goes seven games, is it automatically a good series? No or yes. And 59% of the people said no. Yes! We're making up ground. Mm -hmm. You
1: did. It's all about wording, man. But not that much. Yeah, affected 5%. I could retweet it again if you want. As Adamski said, you had already poisoned the water. I
0: didn't. Adamski doesn't know what he's talking about. He's never coming on the show again.
1: Who let the dogs out
0: Should it be Stanley Cup Final or Stanley Cup Finals 61% of the people are saying Final 39% say Finals And I don't know who's right Tonight, Game 7 Minus 5 of the series between Vegas and Washington That's Game 2 8 o'clock right here on ESPN. Pittsburgh, tomorrow.
1: Seven, 7.30 pregame. Oh, jeez, I butchered the whole thing. Tomorrow
0: on the show, Tim Benz, watch hockey tonight. Be safe out there, bitches. Bye.